Hello, everyone. Welcome to Coruscant Radio Underground, the Star Wars podcast of the sciencefictionary.com. We hope you enjoy listening to us talk about one of our favorite things in the galaxy, Star Wars. Let's uh, jump right in. You had mentioned uh, earlier that uh, you wanted to talk about the differences between the original films and the uh, special editions. Yeah, only because I think I'm the only person in the world with my take on it. The special editions are pretty well hated. All right. Well, um, I went ahead and pulled a, um, pulled a list of, of all the changes made, or at least most of the changes made. You know, most of the changes made are little things uh, that you wouldn't even notice that just little nitpicky editing uh, bits. But I was looking, and it turns out that every version of this film that has ever released, going all the way back to the original... Um, even the laser disc had changes on it. Really? Like basically every version of the movie that George ever released had changes. Meaning, I don't think I ever really thought of it, thought, thought of that either. Meaning that I don't even know if my theatrical cut DVDs are actually the theatrical cut. What though? Like he just changed like with little, it's colors mostly, and digital quality yeah, and sounds, digital editing. Um, back in the early days, just some pretty basic editing just things that he wasn't happy with in the theatrical cuts because he had like no budget for the original for the original movie right but yeah it turns out that it had been a, a it's it's a constant ongoing thing that uh that lucas likes to uh tweak the films he does and it's the editing that went into a new hope is is pretty legendary by itself just the way he had to you know he he looped certain segments of that movie two and three times to uh to give it more action or to right he, the way the way he edited that film already is because like marisha said he had no budget nobody's going to accuse him of being martin scorsese when it comes to directing but he knows how to edit a film but i didn't i didn't know that every version had differences in it whenever i was talking about the uh the special editions mm-hmm. the theatrical re-releases that we saw in on vhs 90s, when we were kids well he well before the um, before the special editions came out, they re-released did uh, did a digital re-release of the theatrical cuts. I think that that's the one my dad had. I think that's the one that we used to watch when I was a kid. Okay, and apparently those might not even be exactly the same as the original theatrical cuts. Huh. We should stage a riot <laughs> retroactively. <laughs> you can just join the one that's already going on on Twitter. Right? <laughs> Which one though? There's yeah, like but... there's always like a series of riots going on on Twitter. The, uh, what I was referring to, though, was like the extra animals in the most icely scene and, mm-hmm. and A New Hope and things like him changing the dialogue and returning the Jedi because he thought it didn't fit. I actually, I know those those movies, like I said a minute ago, are pretty universally hated. I actually prefer uh, my favorite Star Wars movie, Empire Strikes Back. I actually prefer the special edition for a couple of reasons. Okay. And w- uh, which reasons? Replacing the Emperor from Empire Strikes Back with Ian McDermott. Yes. So the mm-hmm. makeup actually matches. That was a big continuity error. Right. That he actually corrected. That was a positive change, I felt like. Uh, and if you go back and rewatch the Cloud City scenes on Bespin in the uh, in the original versions, it feels very claustrophobic for something that's supposed to be in you know, space. up in the air mm-hmm. and up in the air and open and and beautiful. There's no windows anywhere in there because he, he didn't. It, 
Uh, I don't know why, for whatever reason, they couldn't add what he wanted to be able to add then. But whenever he, the special editions give you windows whenever Luke's moving through the uh, moving through Cloud City. Uh, there's more exterior shots of Cloud City, and it just it's. And oh, you can never have too many exterior shots of Cloud City. Right, and uh, and those are the only two major changes for Empire Strikes Back that come to mind. But there, there were two. Those were actually two positive changes. Well, when he changed the changed the dialogue when turning the Jedi. That was stupid. Right. But looking at the uh, now, George Lucas actually claims that of all of the three original films in the special editions, that Empire Strikes Back has the most of any of the films as far as editing. But apparently, the biggest portion of that was cleaning up the Battle of Hoth. Right, which he intentionally sure. shot in the snow to make it showy and hard to shoot. Well, there were a lot of the the editing for the uh, snow speeders originally uh, left a lot of compositing lines from where they overlaid the images. That makes sense, yeah. And they were able to go in and digitally remove all that type of stuff. And I don't think most people mind that stuff. It's the story changes he made. Putting the job of the hut scene back in where you can see Han's head awkwardly bounce. <laughs> okay. Not to that Han didn't shoot first, by the way. But like, I didn't bring that up. 13-year-old me thought that the extra job of scene was super cool, though. Like, whenever I went to go see that in theaters, yeah, yeah. I... You know, you know why his head bounces awkwardly? Because it was a person. It was originally a person. That's why he says, "Jabba, you're a decent human being, or a wonderful human, a being. wonderful human being." Yep. Which is actually kind of funny that you're saying it to a hut, but <laughs> yeah, the, you know, he, there were the changes to a New Hope are, are awful. Yeah, they're awful. Um, I mean, when you go through through a New Hope, you had. Um, there are a couple of things that are nice. They fix some of the really, you know, kind of the funky stuff with Luke's land speeder. Made it look better. There's a lot of little stuff, but I mean, the stuff that they did in that one that changed the story a little bit were, were really probably a mistake. Because I, I don't know anybody that really loves those changes. Uh, Ron Howard let, so, let Han shoot first. So That's exactly know. what I was thinking. I was like, I guess we all know how uh, how Ron Howard feels about Han shooting first. It make any, like, there was no pretending like that didn't happen. You know, bigger but bigger things than that. Yeah, I mean, there are little things in Empire that I don't mind. I don't mind the shots of the new, you know, we, that's where we really got the Sand Troopers. Uh, as far as we got a new Stormtrooper, which is always good. Wasn't the Death Star explosion... Bigger and cooler. They totally changed the Death Star explosion. I like the Death Star explosion. And I'm, I have mixed feelings about that one. I like the original, but in the theater, yeah, that, in the theater, the new one is very impressive. But that doesn't add enough good to the film to take away from the bad that was added. <laughs> That's probably true. Yeah. The Death Star exploding does not fix Han shooting first. No, it's probably true. Or the really bad-looking digital animals that were added in that just did not look—they did not look right with the original practical effects. In the no, they—they just—they look—they look like cartoons. You can tell that they're just superimposed onto the film. Yeah, well, that—that's definitely true. Like yeah, we were watching it with the kids the other week, and I was like, "Yeah," because see, most of what I, I was still just a kid whenever the special editions came out, so that's mostly what I've seen. Um, but I was watching it recently with the kids, and it was like, okay, so I watching those those lizard creatures loping around, and I, I can kind of see why y'all hate on it so much because it is kind of terrible. None of us like that one. No, and then in Empire, um, you know, things like 
There wasn't a lot. Um, you know, they changed the scream when Luke gets his hand cut off. Um, they did some other stuff, but they really didn't mess with the story in Empire. No, they didn't. And that's that's what I'm saying. I, I do like I do like the uh, the few noticeable changes that made the Empire I actually think improved the film, uh, which for the other two did not. Okay, so yeah, I would we- rather watch the theatrical versions of the other two all day before I'll put put one of the special editions in, <laughs> unless I have to. Andrew actually so, has the theatrical versions on DVD around here. He got on eBay one day and discovered they're worth like mm-hmm. enough to pay our bills for a little while. <laughs> but I don't think yeah. he'll still ever sell them. Before George sold Lucasfilm, he refused to, to re-release them because he says, no, the special editions are the definitive canon version. That's what you're going to get. I don't know if Disney has any interest in re-releasing the theatrical cuts, but that'd be... That'd be pretty awesome. It depends. Does Disney think they can make money off of it? Because if they can, I bet they do it. Disney might stand to make more money off of a re-release once they, uh, if they're able to finish acquiring Fox. Uh, that's true. Since uh, Fox, uh, yep. Fox still owns the distribution on it, I would assume. Uh, so how do we feel about getting rid of the uh, the singing Ewoks and replacing it with like a big inner uh, galaxy celebration and, and the um, Return of the Jedi? Yeah. I'm indifferent on that. You're indifferent on that. I'm in, yeah, I'm indifferent on that. I'll take it either way. I've heard people say that that it uh, it opens the it opens the world up that you can show that this really was a huge galactic event that had a major impact on everybody, and you get to see them all celebrating it, and it you know it freed the whole galaxy, not just our little group of people. Well, and it uh, was the first time that we uh, saw Coruscant. Naboo too, right? Didn't Naboo show? Wasn't Naboo one of the planets they showed? In the um, yes, and Naboo was one of the planets. Yes, because there's a gungan in the background going, We free <laughs> Is there really? <laughs> yeah. That's great. Whenever they whenever they showed the when they showed the shot of Naboo, if you listen you hear somebody yelling, We free <laughs> I wanted I wanted to throw my popcorn yeah. at the screen. I'm totally gonna have to go back and watch that now. I don't remember any of that, but I'm definitely gonna go back and look now. Gun guns. And, and now anybody that does listen to this podcast is now going and trying to find their special <laughs> edition copy of Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember other... that very distinctly. <laughs> but Return of the Jedi had some really big unnecessary changes. Um, I think yeah. I think my least favorite of all of them because you know with the the end credit or the end scene where we see the celebration. I hated that they took the Ewok celebration out, but we got a new John Williams piece. And yeah, I'll, I'll never, never complain about no. more John Williams music. Um, but I think my least favorite, other than other than Greedo shooting first, maybe my least favorite thing in the special editions was changing Sauce Noodles for a CGI version in Jabba's Palace, the singer. Yeah, the creepy one with the big lips. Yeah. They went from a yep. pup. They went from a puppet to a CGI character, and then added in the uh, uh, Joe Yauza, the, the singer, and had that big music number in Jabba's Palace that just feels really weird and out of place. Yeah, I never really liked that. Um, yeah, I'm with you on that. That, that it does feel out of place. That's not. Uh, well, it's not the kind of music you'd expect to find in a uh, in a CD smuggler's den. Yeah, because I mean that was always the thing. Was Jabba's Palace was always really dark, kind of menacing, seedy. You know, and all of a sudden we got like a big band production going on in the other room. Interesting side note, though, the the dancer in mm-hmm. that scene that he... Uh, Ula, right? I think her name's Ula. That he fed, 
that he fed to the Rancor. Mm-hmm. Whenever they went to add footage to that scene, they needed to reshoot some of it. They brought back the same actress to film that. She still looked the same age. Oh my gosh. That's great. Like, what would that have been like 15 years later, I guess? So, yeah, uh, about that, yeah. That's impressive. I always thought that was pretty impressive. That's definitely pretty impressive. That she was still able to come back and, and, and reshoot the same scene. But anyway, that doesn't, that's totally off topic. I just thought it was interesting. <laughs> you know, the other, the other big one in there was the kind of, uh, you know, weird changes to the to the Scarlet Pit. Um, yeah, I didn't like that one. They either. added all the, the, all the tentacles and, and yeah, it was an odd odd choice. It really kind of changed what you envisioned that thing being like. It, it really totally made it a new thing. Yep, didn't yeah, like just that at all. Yeah, just kind of like the, it was a little more menacing when it was just sort of the pit with well, the, it was just a pit with some tentacles yeah. in it. It it actually made it less menacing. Like I said, it looked like the plant from Little Shop of Horrors. It did. I never saw Little Shop and of Horrors. You know, I'm not I'm not so sure uh, Boba Fett flew out of it now. Yeah, no, it it totally changes that the 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 idea of being able to get out of the pit. What is the official narrative on that currently, or is there one? There isn't one. Uh, there's some hints to some stuff in the aftermath trilogy involving some Mandalorian armor. But we really didn't get a fleshed out idea of what's going on. So basically, they're just leaving that option open if they decide they want to use it later. Apparently, okay. Was the was the Boba Fett movie that is now either is or is not happening? Was that going to be a prequel? Presumably, they they never did confirm. I would assume it's going to be a prequel. I mean, you could certainly do something set after, but I think a prequel is probably the best bet. Well, I'm just thinking if they said if they said it after, that would confirm whether or not he got out of the pit. Yeah. Right. Well, they're also setting up this, uh, you know, working real hard on setting up this this kind of this underworld narrative that they started with Solo. Now, whether they continue with that or not, we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, a Boba Fett movie set between the prequels and the original series that you could use the actor um, if they wanted to. They oh, could yeah. use the actor from the. Uh, oh, Daniel Logan would be a great choice to come back Logan and reprise that role. I had the, I had the, I couldn't find the name, but yeah. All right, so if you could uh if you could go back to the special editions and undo one scene hmm. that Luke has changed, which one scene would it be? Oh, crap. Uh, <laughs> it's a toss-up. One of them is obvious, and the other one I think I'm probably the only one that has a problem with it, and it's when he changed the dialogue and returned the Jedi when Luke said in the originals in the originals he says that I was born here. And in the new ones, he says, I used to live here. And that sounds like a little thing, but it bugs the <laughs> heck out of me. Because it ruins Han's next line. Well, there is one but, There uh, is the, one uh, other big change that they made in Return of the Jedi that we haven't discussed, which was changing the actors for Anakin in the final scene. It didn't hurt my feelings, though. I, it didn't mind either, because I felt like the continuity was better that way. But, because we had not seen the other guy as Anakin at any point. But well, yeah, it was the Anakin whenever we had the uh, the helmet off, right? That's, that's true. That's true. But like side by side photo, I don't know that you would look at one and go, "Oh yeah, that's that guy." And he was so rough looking when Luke took the helmet off of him. Well, I mean, but you know, there are rumors we're going to get. There's rumors we're going to get an Obi Wan Force Ghost with Ewan McGregor, which also throws the continuity off because this Force Ghost has always been Alec Guinness. So you know, that's just things you have to deal with, I guess. Right. Well, yeah. 
It doesn't, it doesn't, and it may be testing the waters to see how people accept Ewan McGregor as the older Obi-Wan. Right, which yes. I think people would. That's, that's one of the few things that people universally liked about the... The prequels, uh, right? Was Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan. That's one of the few things everybody seemed to like. See, I didn't want a Han Solo movie. I wanted an Obi-Wan movie. Did they ask me? No. But still, that's what I wanted. <laughs> All right, Marisha. One scene to change. <laughs> one scene. Well, I mean, Han's got to shoot first, right? If you're yeah. going to change one thing, I mean, if you ask 500 Star Wars fans, I think that's probably what 450 of them, except Daniel's going to say. Well, that well, that, that was going to be my other one. Yeah, that's Daniel's other one. <laughs> but that one's the obvious one. I think one. that's most people's. That's the obvious one. And it's mine because it's the one thing that he did that I felt like, I don't think people bought it. People instantly rebelled against it, but... It was the one thing in the movie that fundamentally changed a character. Right, yeah. Sure. Right. But if you had to have a different one than the two that had already been picked, what would it be, Andrew? Because you had to throw a curveball at Daniel, so now we got to throw a curveball at you. Hmm. Probably the uh, the scene in Java's Palace. Just because I, I feel like it's a it's a weird interruption to, to what else is going on. That's fair. All right. Well, that uh, wraps us for our first topic, unless Daniel, Daniel, do you have something else to add? I was just going to say, you could change every single change he made back to the original, except for the Empire Strikes Back stuff, and it'd be better. Pretty much. So, but yeah, yeah, those are the those are the those are the big three, though. I think we we all between the three of us, I think we got the biggest three. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I'm probably the only person in the world that doesn't like mine. So. <laughs> I never noticed yours, but I'll give it to you. Yeah, that was one that I've not paid enough attention to. Uh, I guess I. I honestly haven't watched the special edition of Return of the Jedi in a pretty long time. Although now that you say that, every time I watch it, I remember thinking, that doesn't really, that's not really the response you'd expect to, I used to live here, you know. Right. So uh, I, I think I think you've got a good one. Even though I never noticed that it was a change, I, I would still change it back. Because Luke, Luke doesn't know that he wasn't born on that planet. In his mind, he was. That's where he's been his whole life. Right, yeah. All right, what's next, but Andrew? Anyway. All right, uh, next, I uh, want to talk about the news, or a little bit of news on an Obi-Wan film, or at least some rumors. We've already uh, established that I want an Obi-Wan movie. But it looks like there's at least some rumors that Obi-Wan is going to be developed for the streaming service rather than for theaters. Boo. Yes, I heard I'm this sorry. today. I'm also, no, I'm also in the boo camp. Yeah, I am too. I, I'm of the opinion uh, that... I honestly, I don't want to see movies made for anything, Star Wars movies made for anything except the theater. No, because Netflix movies are just kind of like, eh. I mean, that's why it's like straight to TV movies. There are some good Netflix movies, and that's really not my Netflix movies. And that's really not my problem with it. My problem with it is, is. But it's not a Star Wars. It's not like a big. Well, Star Wars has always been an event. Right, exactly. It's one of the things why I wanted to go from talking about that Obi Wan news. We'll talk about, you know, we're talking now with all these movies kind of in limbo. We don't really know what's going on at Lucasfilm. It really kind of brings the question back up of how many Star Wars movies is too many. Like, how frequently do we really want to see a new Star Wars movie? Because part of the the intrigue of of Star Wars has always been that it's it's an event. You know, they're big events that we, we wait for for two or three years between movies. No, two or three decades. A couple well, of them. some of them between, you know, decades. But, but when you, we had trilogies coming out, we had we the, do, the we gap. Do. So 
I'm not I'm not saying we should go back to the two to three year gap. I'm good with a one year pacing between films. I'm not sure that see, I want to see two a year. Like you said, you don't want to see two a year. You don't like the December May thing. No, right? That's too no, much. No, I think like, I think I, I really love the the May date because that's when Star Wars was, you know, became a thing. But man, they they really they had jumped into that December spot and really owned it. And it just became, I know for us, it just kind of became part of what we did during the holidays. I really think they should have stayed with that. Well, they Solo's the first one they released in May. The first two Saga films in Rogue One all were December releases, 12 right. months apart mm-hmm. between them. And I think I think that's probably what hurt Solo, too, though, is it is the May release. Because mm-hmm. uh, you, you basically put it head up with infinity war man i mean come on you did i mean it had, a, it own, had a month there. both properties yeah and you own both properties that, that made no sense to me but i mean they did what they did and uh, solo's a good film and i and i hate it, any of the uh any of the things that's hurting solo right now i i hate because I, I hate it for that movie i hate it for ron howard mm-hmm. that's it's a good movie i loved it i thought it was a great movie it's taken some hits though, and it's it's taken the brunt of of all this blame for why they want to push back the, uh, the the anthology film. So, and I don't I don't think it deserves that. That's the fact that people aren't going to see that movie is their own loss. That they made a good movie. Yeah, no, I think you're definitely right. Just but, so but much. It may definitely hurt it. Yeah, it may hurt it. The things releasing around it hurt it. The drama, so and, much drama. And all the drama heard it. And seriously, though, did anybody, when they announced a Han Solo movie, did anybody go, yay? Everybody went, oh, why? I mean, even though it turned out to be a great movie, it wasn't a project that people were just super enthusiastic about off the bat, which doesn't have anything no. to do with the, how many movies come out in a year. But still. No, but I, I think some of the drama, one, the drama with, like, with, with firing directors and, you know, moving stuff around and... Then the stuff that happened with The Last Jedi Mm -hmm. and all the turmoil that's come out of that, you know, it just has left people not really sure they want to be involved in it. And, you know, like we said the other day, you know, if if you're skipping, if you're skipping solo because you're, you're mad about The Last Jedi, you're only costing yourself a fun experience. Well, how often do you think movies? So you, so Andrew says they should come out. I'm once a year. I'm fine with the once a year model. I think having that, that <sighs> big December date is good. I wouldn't mind them being further apart. He thinks you're wrong. Um, the problem is, is we've got so many oh, things right. in development. I mean, you've got to pull some of that back. Like if, if we, if you're going to go more than, if you're going to go less than one a year, then you've got to turn around and cancel some of this stuff that you've already got in production. That's true. Which may be what's happening. Well, what about you, Daniel? How often do you think they should release Star Wars movies? I really don't know. I'm not sure I have a strong opinion. I don't want one every six months. Hell, Marvel pulls it off, you know? Marvel does it. Uh, the problem, one of, that's going to be one of the problems, though, with trying to do more than one a yep. year, though, is that how do you do that without stepping on your own feet? Yep, exactly. Well, Marvel's a juggernaut, so the one that's... As big as Star Wars is, let's be honest about it. In the climate we live in now, if they put them head to head, Star Wars is the one that's getting beat. You think? Marvel I don't is know. a juggernaut. Marvel is a juggernaut. Oh, but yeah. when you look at what what uh, the typical MCU movie makes compared to what 
The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi and Rogue One made. No, they're comparable. They're comparable, but those are December releases with no... There was nothing else comparable well, in that, theaters at the same time. Well, that, that's the, the reason for that, though, is that December had never been a productive time for big blockbuster movies. Uh, Star Wars made that a thing. Did Star Wars make May a big thing back in the day? No. Uh, the blockbuster, the big blockbuster movie era started really probably right before Star Wars okay. with, uh, what, Daniel Jaws, maybe? Jaws, yeah. Jaws was the first big summer blockbuster. Okay. He gets all the credit for it anyway. But no, I mean, December had been, December had been a good time to release movies. You know, I mean, there's a, there's winter break there for school and it was a good family time for movies, but mm-hmm. it had never, you know. Well, that's when we got I guess the, maybe it had never had anything like what. Is that when we got the Lord of the Rings, were the Lord of the Rings movies? Yep. December releases? December, like December 19th, somewhere in there, like right before Christmas. Uh, Narnia too. Okay. Narnia was a, uh, the first Narnia, the second Narnia two were crap. Christmas release. Yeah, but, but that fit. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe was a big Christmas release. So, so just what's your general opinion on uh, Netflix movies for Star Wars? Boo. Well, when we say streaming service, we're talking about the new Disney streaming right. service. Yeah, we're right. We're not talking about Netflix. That's we're true. talking about the new Disney streaming service, which the will new be a Disney competitor, Netflix? competitor I to Netflix. I understand why they want to do it because if you think about it. Netflix has been really good at that. They're going to release. They'll release something they know people want to see. You get sucked in on your on your free one week trial just to watch that one thing. Mm-hmm. And you start finding the stuff on there you like, and you keep it. That's what happened to me. You know. <laughs> hey, we got to do Daredevil series. Well, crap. Now I got to buy it. You know. Yep. So I mean, I understand why they I understand why they want to do it, but I don't. I'm like, you, I want to see a Star Wars movie on the big screen. I'm yeah. like, you know. Now, I'm fine with, you know, I want to see TV shows. I want to see a Star Wars TV show I on the streaming I want to see big, service. expensive, beautiful Star Wars TV shows on a screaming, on a screaming service. Don't on you want screaming to see a service? service? Definitely. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, the John Favreau series will be on the streaming service, right? Have we gotten confirmation of that? I just assumed it. I just I, assumed I, I've it. assumed it as well, but I was thinking about that earlier. I, I'm not sure that it there's really, any kind of... Um, I'm not sure that there's been a concrete answer to that. I was pretty sure I read it somewhere, but you may have just told it to me. I'm not sure. I'm getting I, the I information do, from I do places. still believe that it will be made for the streaming service. And I believe... Mm-hmm. I still believe that there's probably another animated series in the works in addition to Resistance that will be for the streaming service. Well, that would just make sense because they they don't just want, they want adults, they want kids, then that's the thing. They want to keep sucking kids into Star Wars. They can't put everything on the streaming service, right? I don't know. I'm not sure that the streaming service, I mean, right now they're putting their animated stuff on Disney XD. Mm -hmm. What what I mean by that is, is that a good idea? Like consolidating everything. You want to leave some stuff out there that, that the more general public can access to build interest in it right Right, and i think resistance will be placed at home on disney xd where rebels was hopefully we'll probably stay there and we were led to believe a few months ago that there were multiple tv series in in the works so it could be that one of them is for amc and you may wind up with something like they've done with marvel where you've had agents of shield on the network and you've had the uh the individual character stories on netflix that seems really likely but not Netflix on the Disney streaming service. Get it right. Yeah. 
How much is too much? How much is too much Star Wars? Yep. In movies. In theatrical. movies. Theatrical release movies. Twice a year is too much. Once a year, honestly, I think Daniel may be right, Andrew. I think once a year may be too much. Maybe not, but I mean, it's definitely more of an event. Definitely, I don't know that we need a saga f- movie every year. Maybe, maybe alternate saga movies with anthology movies. Oh, absolutely. And that's what they've done so well, far. And I, I, think, I think they should continue that model. Yeah, instead of being like, "Ooh, let's release two." I think. Well, I you can't. It. You can't. Make, it still takes about two years to make a movie this size. Yeah. You know, you unless they want to do Lord of the Rings and fill them all at one time, which would not be a terrible no, I, idea. I, I actually am kind of hoping that what they can. The I'm kind of. Con- I'm really hoping that that's the route they go with the Ryan Johnson trilogy and the Benioff and Wise trilogy. Let's start a petition. That, that's the thing to do, is right? That our, is that our next subject? What? The Benioff trilogy versus the Ryan Johnson trilogy? Yes. Okay. And we can move on to that. <laughs> thoughts, Daniel? Unless you've got more thoughts on... Uh, on, on... No, no, not really. Okay. Uh, well, let's move I'm, on to the... Just... We pretty much exhausted it. Me There's... and Daniel are right and you're wrong. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just wondering which, which one of these new trilogies do we actually want to see? I, I don't know because we don't know anything about them. Well... We've seen Ryan Ryan Johnson's version of Star Wars. We we have, but we don't know anything about where Benioff and Weiss stand on Star Wars. True. No, we don't. Honestly, I would have been a lot happier with Ryan Johnson's story as anything else in Star Wars other than the sequel to The Force Awakens. Honestly, I didn't have an, a problem with his movie even as a Star Wars movie, as much as I didn't love it as a sequel to the the movie that came before it. Right. It's not a cohesive story. There are things set up in Force Awakens that are obviously ignored in the sequel. And Andrew and I talked about this last week. There's a a couple of different things probably need to happen. Either have J.J. come in with his script for one and the rest of the story. This is where two goes is where three goes. Have a, have, a, have a writing team, whether it be consisting of J.J., Ryan Johnson, Chris Terrio, those three guys, whoever you want, but have them sit down and come up with one consistent story for all three movies. Have anybody, Lawrence Kasdan. Anybody. You know, doesn't anybody matter who, just somebody. <laughs> We're making three films that are going to tell one story. Here's the story. Not, let's let J.J. make his movie, let Ryan make his movie, and then let Trevor will make his movie and hope they all three line up somehow. And of course, you know, right. tomorrow has been fired now anyway. Yeah. But, and, and that's the thing. And it appears that they've recognized that problem in the way they're going about planning these future, um, these future I uh, trilogies. I don't think it was that hard to recognize in the first place. No. Whenever, whenever, whenever we found out Ryan Johnson was writing a whole new, was writing and directing a whole new film with no involvement from anybody, we all kind of went. Huh. That's a terrible idea. We all kind of we all kind of hoped that there had been a story, you know what I mean? And then we right. found out later there wasn't. Right. It was all right, this straight from scratch, with no consideration to where anybody else wanted to go with the story because there never was a story planned out. That's just it. Kind of seems it kind of seems obvious to me before you start something like this that that's what you ought to do. Do you think when that's they first the started when they first started production, uh, do you think that there's any chance that they thought that they were going to be able to talk JJ into doing all three movies? Yes, he turned it down. 
I had I had heard something about this. JJ had promised his family he was going to take some time off. Star Wars came up. He's, you know, I got to make one of these movies. You know, right, right. So he makes he, make, he makes Force Awakens, but after that, he he knew he had to take some time off. Is what I had heard, but it seemed to me like they knew before Force Awakens was. Well, Ron Johnson supposedly wrote The Last Jedi while Force Awakens was in post production. And, and I don't and I don't doubt that. I, but it, the impression I had was that they knew JJ wasn't going to make two and three before Force Awakens was what was finished. Before it was finished, though. Do you think, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Do you think that they thought when they first started off, they might be able to get him to do all three? Or if nothing else, JJ, can you write us a story that we can tell us a guy? <laughs> right. It doesn't seem that hard. No, it, it doesn't. But I really wonder if that's why the intentional shift towards, we're bringing these guys in to make a new trilogy. Right. That's because they've I'm... been very pointed about Ryan Johnson's coming in and he's doing a whole trilogy himself. Benny Off right. and Weiss ben... are coming in. They're doing a trilogy. I think you're right. I so think... it's a course correction. It's a course correction, but it's, you know, kind of late. It's too late to. <laughs> but I'm hoping, you know, with, with JJ back on board for nine, putting the ball back in his court, I'm anxious to see what he does. Because he's such a closer historically. Well, not because uh... he's. <laughs> yeah, traditionally he's not. But I'm just saying. In did this, you see in Lost? this case? But in Lost, he didn't finish the story, did he? Somebody else did. Well, maybe that was his mistake. I don't know. I quit watching Lost about season four. It just got too weird and just like anyway. No, not a closer. <laughs> not a closer. But we, you know, he's been brought in to bring to breathe new life into these into these movies that he's done. You know, to bring things back to life and. You know, he brought everybody. There was there was so much worry coming into the Force Awakens after the prequels that mm-hmm. that you had to make a good movie. Yep. And that's why they brought him in there. And I'm really hoping that he's able to do something that that kind of re-energizes and reunites the fan base. And he may or may not be able to do that. And there's part of the fan base that's just not going to be happy no matter what. Yeah. Well, there's part of the fan base that just hasn't been happy ever there's part of the fan base that hasn't been happy in like 20 years and then they're yeah, you know, but not like this y'all come on not like this i don't know man the, there's a bigger there's a bigger divide over last jedi than there has been anything else we've ever had there's no even charge our binks yes okay like yeah. i said i was like 13 so <sighs> well we didn't have social media like we do now that's true social media is the worst you know and had had some of that stuff taken off on social media it, it could have really fueled some fires yeah some of the people that just don't like the last jedi are you know there are legitimate things to to speak about when you're talking about things you don't like about that movie but you know, there's some people but that to, are just out to hate it just but to Marissa's point jar jar didn't divide the fan base everybody hated jar jar <laughs> Yeah. It's always been pretty united on what we liked and what we hated. Now this is my the first thing five year old, like take. My five year old nephew Everybody does think that hated it. <laughs> my five year old nephew does think that Jar Jar Binks is the best Star Wars character ever. So not we, everyone hates Jar Jar. I think he said that at a con and I thought I was gonna have to put him in a, <laughs> under a blanket and sneak him out. <laughs> Um, so it looks like uh, as far as the Ryan Johnson uh, thing goes, there was some news today. Um, looks like Ron Bergman is coming back to produce, who produced The Last Jedi. 
which I'm I'm good with. The production values on The Last Jedi are Ooh, it was real. pretty. It was a really pretty movie. It's probably the prettiest of any, just as far as the, the you know, the, the cinematography, it may be the prettiest of all the Star Wars movies. Yeah, that Star Destroyer getting sh- split in half, that, that was awesome. That's all, yeah, but that's not, that's, you know, CGI special effects of, I mean, the, the the CGI artists are, are wonderful. They're doing what they're told. They're doing what they're directed. They are. Well, they're doing what the producer, and, you know, but it's up to the producer to bring the right people in to do the job. And he clearly, it's like having the right GM for a football team. You got to have the person pulling all the right levers, bringing the right people to be part of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks like they're saying, uh, news today looked like that they're saying that the movie's at least two years out. Which, yeah. at this point, I'm going to assume that it's probably going to be two and a half years out and that they're going to go back to a December release two and a half years from now. Man, though, if it's going to release in two years, they're, I mean, when are they supposed to start shooting? Is it already written? No, but I mean, the, if it's going to be out in two years, they probably, a lot of the development uh, pre-production will go on for a long time before they actually pull cameras yeah, but what I'm saying is, I mean, doesn't something like, how long does something like that take to shoot? Well, Ron Howard shot 80% of Solo in six months. So that's really a matter of whether they're going to film one movie or if they're going to film three. Well, we just said we hope, well, I don't guess it matters to film all three of them at the same time as long as there is one story. But, um, but it looks like they're considering um, Israel as a potential shooting location, which is hmm. that's which interesting. Is new. Like, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that I've ever seen that I was aware that was shot in Israel. That's an interesting decision. Well, it's an interesting place with, a, you know, a lot of a lot of diversity and then a lot of really cool, very old architecture. architecture. Mm-hmm. And I saw a, a, a lot of beautiful landscapes, too. There's some really interesting, really diverse landscapes. Mm-hmm. You've got the Dead Sea and you've got the, you know, the, the deserts and the oasis. Oases? What's the plural of oasis? Don't know. All right. We'll look that up later. Oases, I would think. Okay. Oases. That sounds right. Let's go with oases. There's oases in Israel. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, is there uh, any more news that we had to touch on? Anything else you had, Daniel? It seems like there was something else you sent me earlier. Something about, did you have something on the Benioff and Weiss? No, I had, it's bad journalism to talk about it. Not that we're really professional journalists or nothing, but. uh, Okay. That's fine. We can just skip now, it then. Uh, you know, well, if you're looking for news source, here, though, you're looking in the wrong place. <laughs> right. But no, I had I had heard that the DB and Weiss, DB Weiss and David Benioff films were be were being prioritized over Ryan Johnson's films. Oh, uh, but the information you just had seems to contradict that. So you I'm know, not sure, but I was wondering if that was true. What we thought of that. Well, that's kind of what I'm wondering. If if you're going to go, you're assuming that in a trilogy that you're probably going to get two years between movies, right? Yes. So if but do they hop, do they, do they hopscotch them? That's you know what, what I'm, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Do you, mm-hmm. do you do a Ryan Johnson like movie and then a Benioff and Weiss movie? Like fans that are really, really up on everything yeah. can keep up with that. But to your casual fans, seems yeah. like that could be really confusing. Yeah, that's, yeah. Right. But I hate to wait six years to get one of these trilogies over the other. Uh-huh. Right, that's the thing, and that's why I'm still wondering if they're not going to go for two movies a year. Ooh. But like you just, but but like you just said, that gets kind of confusing. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, like you said, I mean, people 
people who are really up on it, like, we're going to know the difference. But, you know, is my mom going to know the difference? No. It's just going to be confusing. Well, and especially if somewhere in the middle there you've got an Obi-Wan movie coming out mm-hmm. and a Boba Fett movie coming out. Yep. So I'm not sure what how they're going to manage that, but it seems like they've got to be planning on either doing that or doing two a year. Well, because they have to not only manage the expectations of really rabid fans, they have to manage the expectations of your average moviegoer who's just look, you know, like, all right, what are we going to see this week? And is going to sit down with, you know, having seen, you know, having a vague idea of what Star Wars is about. They, they have to manage those people's expectations, too, which I don't know they've done a really good job of. I'm not sure that they've decided which fan they want to cater to more. I, don't, I think they're having a hard time finding the balance there, like Marisha said. Yeah, I, I think there's some of that going on, and I think that they're, I think right now, like I said, there's definitely something going on at, at Lucasfilm right now between Lucasfilm and Disney. I don't know mm-hmm. what it is. Um, I don't know some of the rumors that are floating around this week might or might not be true. Generally, where there's smoke, there's fire of some kind. Well, something's going on, but it might simply be that they're really stepping back and restructuring and trying to come up with how they're going to release all these movies and when. Um, so, moving on from there, uh, what did you think? Did you see the uh, the artwork, the San Diego Comic-Con artwork for the Thrawn book? For the Thrawn book? I did. It's so cool. There's a uh, there's there's an excerpt online at StarWars.com if anybody wants to read it. I read it's it. Really short. Yeah, it's, it was pretty interesting though. It sets up a uh, it sets up a pretty interesting what I think would be a very interesting story, especially from Timothy Zahn, who's always been such a good writer. Anyway, that's that's bound to be a very good book. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Did you read the first Thrawn novel, right. Daniel? I haven't read it yet. Okay, it's very good. It's not quite, I wouldn't put it on the level of the Throne books from whenever those the came EU. out. You know, the Heir to the Empire trilogy. You know, it's a good book. It would be hard to write it, you know, that first book in the Heir to the Empire trilogy is just a fantastic book. It's one of the best Star Wars books written. Yeah, I'd no, agree with you. But no. it's, it's why you had a character that, that became so big from just a book. I mean, you know, Throne is pretty frequently listed up there with people's favorite characters, even though until Rebels, he had never appeared on the screen and has still never appeared in a live action movie of any type. And I would still be all on board to see that in some, some form or fashion. I don't think we're going to get it. Really? I don't think you're getting a live action Thrawn. I don't think you get, I think you'll see Thrawn and Ezra both show back up in another animated series. And that's the one I thought we were getting when they announced Resistance. So yeah. maybe we'll get it after Resistance. Yeah. We need the search for Ezra. No, we need that, uh, whether it be books or an animated series. I, I don't know how much. I don't really know who's in charge of deciding what they're going to pursue next. Um, I was still kind of oh. shocked. Oh, and by the way, we discussed last week the uh, Resistance series and when it was set. And it is set just prior to The Force Awakens. Okay. All right. But... Um, I think there's probably, I can imagine Dave Filoni and Kathleen Kennedy sitting in a room dividing up the toys and Dave's going, <laughs> Thrawn's mine, Ezra's mine, Soka's mine, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You got, to, you got to play with the original trilogy characters and you ruined them. That was your fault. So, but I get to keep all these other people. Dividing so, up the toys. I don't, I don't, I don't know that we're ever, that we're ever getting them. 
Now, of of the animated characters, Thrawn would be the one that I would like most to see jump to the big screen. Um, I, I think you're right on Ezra for sure. I don't think we'll ever see Ezra jump to a movie. I'm so glad that that character in The Last Jedi wasn't Ezra. Can I just go on the record saying that? Um, well, but it should have been Ezra to have been different. That's he was true. A good actor. He's a good actor either way. Because that was the rumor Benicio Del Toro is Ezra. Yeah. No, he totally wasn't. But <laughs> no, the, I felt like the excerpt, it was... Um, it was exactly the kind of interact. If I had just like sat down and thought like, how would Thrawn and Anakin Skywalker have interacted? That's like exactly the scenario that I would have envisioned. You know, Thrawn kind of pushing his buttons from like the get go. Yeah. Well, Thrawn is. <laughs> yeah, Thrawn is calm, cool, and collected all the time, and mm-hmm. Anakin is not not hot oh, headed and the first say. one to run into a fight. <laughs> so it's it's definitely yep. an interesting dynamic. And uh, I, I'm ready for a, that book. It's going to be an odd couple buddy cop book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm always excited to see more Anakin Skywalker. I really, I always like to see more done, you know. It, it's That's like one of my favorite Star Wars characters is that, you know, Clone Wars era Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, I was about to say, not the prequels version. Yes, I love, okay, Daniel, I love the prequels. <clears throat> Come on now, though. I'm, I'm 31. No. Prequels were coming out when I was a kid. That was like, that was oh the gosh. great, exciting thing happening in Star Wars. Oh, my gosh. Andrew, <laughs> did you do this consciously? Maybe. You, you married a prequel lover on purpose? <laughs> hey, Neil, I'm nice. Whose wife is sitting here talking on a Star Wars podcast? No, I didn't say you weren't nice. You just misguided. <laughs> just misguided. <laughs> oh, come on, Neil. Oh, N- no, gosh. though. I mean, this. This, is, this is devastating news. No, Revenge, like, Revenge of the Sith is my favorite Star Wars movie. That's what we talked about uh, yeah, the other day, though, man. We're, like, we, we're the same age, and, and we saw... Old. Y'all are old. <laughs> you know, for, for people that were kids, when the, when the prequels came out, man, that's... That's what they, they, you know, those are, for a lot of them, that was the first Star Wars movies they saw. That's what made them fall in love with Star Wars. Y'all's parents did y'all a disservice by letting y'all watch the prequels first. No, I didn't watch the prequels first. Now, not her. Now, now, she had seen other movies prior to the the prequels, but. Yeah, no. I'm just saying, for for some people. um, You watched the original trilogy first and still like the prequels better? (laughs) I didn't. I didn't say I like all of the prequels better. I just said that the Revenge of the Sith is my favorite. Come on, Neil. It's like, it's it's like oh. that that fall that fall from being a, how a good person turns into an evil person. I mean, that's like it's tragic and it's Shakespearean and it's it's really awesome. And it's poorly executed. The idea of it is the the idea of it is wonderful. Okay, it mm-hmm. is. It's pretty tragedy, but it was poorly executed across the course of those three movies. He came off like a whiny teenager until he felt like that people didn't appreciate people didn't appreciate him because he was being whiny all the damn time. <laughs> okay, so Attack of the Clones definitely not my favorite prequel movie. He's he's yeah pretty much a whiny teenager in that one. He's better Still better than Phantom Menace. <laughs> oh come on. All right, but the costumes, though. You know me and the costumes. I love the costumes. The costumes the costumes in the prequels are so good. 
They are. The hairstyles got more elaborate. And they got more elaborate? No, the biggest hairstyles are in the first one. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. You the mean hair, in the prequels. The in the prequels yes. were more elaborate than they were in the original trilogy. But well, I don't care about none of that. That's your department. Costumes and hairstyles. <laughs> that's good. That's, that's fine. If that's what you like about it, then knock yourself out. <laughs> I'm just not allowed to like Anakin Skywalker. I like the Clone Wars TV show version of Anakin Barrett. I'd do anything they did in the prequels. Okay. I can give you that. I, I, I like the Clone Wars. But it kind of informs the prequel Anakin a little. Like, they don't, you don't have to view them as, like, separate things. You can kind of view it as one thing. Well, we're not talking about television <laughs> right now. We're talking about film. <laughs> You're the one who brought up the Clone Wars. Who said Clone because Wars? Because you asked me about Anakin specifically as a character. All right, all right, all right. So, uh, we just crossed the hour mark. So, let's, uh, do we have any more, uh, Daniel, did you have anything else? Uh, comic books or anything like that? Yeah, that's your thing, right? Comic books? Yeah. I don't know that there's much to... Uh, there's not a lot of big stuff happening in the comic books right now, other than the fact that, I mean, they're just... If you haven't picked up a Marvel Star Wars comic book since the 80s, you, you need to go... You need to read them again. These are... Uh, we, we fill in a lot of gaps between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. It, the comic books have introduced a lot of really good new characters. Dr. Dr. Afra, Have you heard of Dr. Afra? Yeah. I've heard a lot of cosplayers okay. talk about Dr. Afra. <laughs> she, she's very, is read the doctor. If anybody's interested in that stuff, read the Dr. Afra comic book. Uh, she's got two droids with her, triple zero and BT. And they are murderous, insane versions of C3PO and R2D2. And they oh, are dear. fantastic. They're fantastic. <laughs> they are fantastic. Yes. It's hilarious. So no, Mar Marvel's really been really been knocking out of the park with their comic book stuff. Go back in time a little bit. The Vader Down crossover last year was that last year? No, I'm I, think how far been, back. I think that's been two years ago. It's two years ago. That was that was a that was a very good story. That also involved Doctor Afra and the two droids. But uh, no, the comic books have been have been really good. So Is that where Doctor Afra uh, was introduced in the Vader? Was in the Vader Down? series or had she been introduced prior to that she'd been introduced before okay um but the uh don't forget new comic book day is wednesday and you can pretty much find a new star wars book whether it be darth vader or the star wars series uh or anything else that may, pu may be publishing at the time basically every wednesday they'll alternate it on weeks all right well um i think that probably is going to do it for tonight unless anybody's got anything they wanted to add well, since nobody's got anything else to add, that's going to do it for this episode of Coruscant Radio Underground. Please join us again next week for a new episode and check out our website, thesciencefictionary.com. This has been Andrew, Daniel, and Marisha. May the Force be with you. <laughs>